This morning's reading is Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 to 12. Shout, a full-throated shout. Hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship. They love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people. Law-abiding, God-honouring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And love having me on their side. But they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting a fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering, ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness.
your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Mandy will now bring us our gospel reading. Let's stand for our gospel reading. Our gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. I am going to put it all together, pull it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. Trivialise even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialised yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others and you will find honour in the kingdom. Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. I want you to imagine that you've come into church this morning. I can see you've all made a great effort. You all look lovely. And if you're at home, I, I'm guessing you've 
you know, smartened yourself up in front of your laptop. Um, you've come to church or you've logged on and you've joined in with everything wholeheartedly. You've sung the songs we've been singing, you've prayed prayers, you've listened to a talk. Maybe during the course of the service, God has spoken to you and given you a word or a message to take home. Maybe at the end of the service, you've prayed with somebody. But as you walk out the door, or you log off at home on the, off the laptop, you say to yourself, okay, great, I've dealt with God for another week, that's done, see you next Sunday. And you get on with your life as if nothing's happened, nothing's changed. Or in the words of the Matthew reading, you've stood up on your lampstand, shone your light brightly, and put a bucket over your head. <laughs> not a lot of use, not a lot of use. But if you need to have an app, and you've had very little sleep, like me, that's the message that these readings are giving. Basically, um, as Tom read this morning, the Isaiah reading is a wake-up call to the people. He starts off saying, shout, a full-throated shout, and it's like he's shaking the people out of their sort of stupor, or out of their oblivion to what's going on. And I think a lot of the people he's speaking to had no idea that actually they were being very hypocritical. They were putting on the appearance of being a worshipping community who loved God and, as he says, were busy, busy, busy um, trying to get things right and worshipping. But when it came to the week ahead, their faith wasn't there. It was, their lifestyle did not resemble their faith in God or their service to God at all. They were not displaying God's love. They were actually being cruel to their employees, turning a blind eye to injustice, gossiping, etc., etc. They were not God-honouring at all. In James, one of the famous passages from the book of James is that faith without action is dead. In other words... There's absolutely nothing. It's good to be here or online this morning and worshipping. That's what we're meant to do. But it's meant to, we're meant to believe it so much and have the love of God in us so much that it affects everything else we do through the rest of the week. We don't just switch off and leave God here on a Sunday and come back to him next week. He shines through everything that we do. So Isaiah goes on to tell us some of the things that God expects from us. He says he wants us to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation, to free the oppressed, cancel debts. He asks us to share our food with the hungry, to invite the homeless poor in, to clothe those who need clothing, and to be available to our own families. And reading that, particularly the beginning bit about breaking the chains, reminded me of when Jesus is in the temple early on in his ministry. And he goes to the temple and he's given the scroll to read for the day, which happens to be Isaiah 61, just three chapters on from our reading today. And Jesus stands up in the temple and he unrolls the scroll. And this is what he reads. The Spirit of God is coursing through every part of me. He's commissioned me to, an to announce the breaking news, fantastic news for the poor. He sent me to mend broken hearts, to liberate those slammed up in dark places, 
to announce the news that this is the era of God going gently on his people. My manifesto is to get alongside the grieving, to swap their burnt-out hopes for beautiful crowns, to exchange their regrets for delight, to trade in their despair for celebration songs. When Jesus finished reading, he rolls up the scroll and gives it back and sits down. And in Luke chapter 4, it says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I suspect you could have heard a pin drop because they know this is no ordinary run-of-the-mill reading of the scripture. Something spiritual is happening here. The atmosphere would have been electrically charged, I reckon, as they listened and thought, wow. And then Jesus says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Why does he say that? Because he is God's anointed one. He is the one who has come to fix everything. He is going to release the chains. He is going to set prisoners free from the darkness, not just in prison cells, but of our spiritual selves. He is the one who would do all these things that Isaiah is saying we are meant to be doing. Jesus shares this mission with us, but he is the one who ultimately is able to do everything. And in the Matthew reading, he goes on about sharing his mission statement with us by asking us to be salt and light. In fact, he doesn't really ask. It's sort of more of a command, more of a command. It's not really an option or extra. Um, They're passages that we probably know quite well, and we know that salt brings out flavour, in our food and things. But when I was researching this, I found out that actually it was also equated with wisdom in those times. And there's a reading today in Corinthians, which um, was also part of the set readings, which talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit um, gives us discernment and wisdom so that when God gives us gifts, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the discernment and the wisdom to be able to use them. Going back to Matthew, another thing they used to do with salt was put them on the wick of their lamps so they'd shine more brightly. I've never known that before. And I thought, oh, right, okay, so you've got being the salt and being the light, showing God's wisdom and discernment and shining his love on the world. Together, it's quite a powerful mix. And that is what God commands us to do. He asks us to shine brightly. Not to hide under said bucket to shine. The Isaiah reading gives us ideas of how we should do that and on practical terms I was thinking how would we do that? I think as a church family one of the things some of us have already got involved in and I know there is room for more people to volunteer for is providing a welcoming place in the Elderberry Cafe, Tea and Chat or Toddlers They are all groups that meet here on the church premises for our wider community. They are here for us to welcome people in and share God's love with them. It might be in your workplace that you become known as a person of faith, somebody people know they can trust and turn to. It might be in your neighbourhood as somebody who maybe helps out people, or again, they just know that you're somebody who, when they tell you something's happened to them, they'll say, oh, I'll pray for that. And just, again, being known as a person of faith. 
one thing I've discovered as I've looked back over my life is that God moves our light stands. He's asked us to stand on our light stand and shine, but they move around in different seasons of our life. And I was really encouraged by the last little bit of the list of things we can do in the reading today, which talks about being available for our own families. Many of you will know that up until quite recently, I was one of the youth workers here at St Paul's. And when I was applying for the job about 12 years ago, the thing that held me back the most was the fact that my family had stopped coming to church. And I thought, I know, having done youth work in the past, that it's all-consuming. You end up, because teenagers are lovely, you end up um, being so involved. It takes over everything. Even now, two years on, I watch the telly sometimes, and I think, that would be a good game for push. Oh, no, I'm not doing it. So then I'll text somebody and tell them. (laughs) Because you can't, it's hard to switch off from things. And I knew I'd be in church more and more, and I was worried that I'd just become further away from my family. But I really felt God saying to me, go where I've called you to shine and I will take care of your family. Don't worry about them. Go where I've called you to be. And that's what I did. And I had 10 years which I absolutely loved and I felt I was exactly where God wanted me to be, doing what he wanted me to do. I also, most nights when my kids were younger, managed to get home in time to be there when they got home from school so they could talk to me. They didn't want to talk to me, (laughs) but I was here. (laughs) I was available. If ever they chose to, I was there. And that was, for me, it was important to show I can be here for you. So God really honoured that time for me. Two years ago, I had been wrestling for a while with the thought that maybe I needed to stop the youth work. Um, And again, I prayed to God and I said, look, I don't, I think I am meant to be stopping now, but what do you want me to do next I'm still willing to serve you however you want me to serve but I wouldn't mind a little rest for a little while if that's possible God you know up to you but see how we go Um, and I had I did have a couple of months of rest and then my parents-in-law became quite ill and their health deteriorated a lot and they needed our time and our care and Funnily enough, I was no longer working and I had time. (laughs) I wouldn't have had time, but I did have time. I didn't feel torn and I was able to be available for them and give them time, which I'm um, still doing. But it's hard and sometimes people, there'll be a job or a role, there's always things they need doing in our church and people say, oh, you could do that. Or I look and think, oh, I could do that. But I know at the moment, is not the time and a good friend who's here today said to me about six months ago your season right now is with your family and there'll be there'll be another season when you can do something else but at the moment my lampstand is definitely um, with my family mainly and I just want to encourage some of you here or watching online who might be feeling like I have done in the past and sometimes do now might be feeling a little bit trapped and thinking oh if only I'd love to do more but I can't I remember when my children were small, thinking, oh, I love them, but they're such a tie. You've got to take them with you everywhere. <laughs> I can't do all these other things. Once they're grown, I'll be able to do this and this. And, but actually, I should have been savouring the time I had with them. And I know being a parent at home with children, or maybe you're caring for your spouse who's ill, or maybe you like me, you're looking after elderly relatives, it can feel quite isolating. And you can, and I know it's, 
physically and mentally quite draining. I just want to remind you of something that Priscilla said in a sermon in the beginning of December when she referred to a term used for God in the Old Testament, which is El Roy, which means the God who sees me. And I just want to encourage anyone who is feeling like I sometimes do, God sees you. Wherever your lampstand is, actually, he sees you. And he doesn't just see what you do in the public eye. He sees what you do when nobody else is watching, when there's nobody there to support you, nobody there to thank you and say, oh, thanks for doing that, thanks for cleaning that up. There's nobody there, but God is there. He's with you and he's watching you and he sees you. He sees you as you shine your light there. And the Isaiah reading goes on to give us a promise for those of us who do obey the call and shine. He says, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. God's promises are always right. They are always true. He will not let you down. So to finish, where is your lampstand at the moment, do you think? Where do you think God is primarily asking you to shine? I realise it's not just one place, it'll be a few, but where is he mainly asking you to shine? Wherever your lampstand is, it's unique to you. No one other than you has the same sphere of influence, the same combination of people and situations that they are involved with. You are there because God wants you there to be salt and light. But we don't do it on our own. As I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is there. He wants to fill us. Just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit was coursing through his veins. It courses through us. We just need to ask, as we've done earlier today, for more of the Holy Spirit to give us that discernment, to give us the strength sometimes to get back up out of our chair and we've just sat down and to do one more thing or to shine brightly into somebody else's world, into somebody else's dark places. And if you don't remember anything else today, do remember the bucket. Don't put it on like this. Can you hear me? Just about. <laughs> don't put it on. <laughs> um, it's, in the end, God doesn't want us to put on a show on a Sunday. He wants us to shine on a Monday. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for those insightful words, Mandy. And uh, we're going to, in a sense, remind ourselves as we think about the light of the world now, the one who gives us the opportunity to shine like him.